episode number 35. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Higher Life Podcast. And this week we're going to have the Torah portion of Vayetze, How to Remove Your Dark Side, Man's Mixture of Darkness and Light. A powerful parable about the king's palace, a great story about Rev Shach, and peace in your home, tips for your control. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. In this week's portion, the verse says like this, And Yaakov kissed Rachel, and raised his voice, and he wept. So Rechaim Shmuelovich brings Rashi, who says like this, Yaakov cried because he didn't have anything in his hands. He didn't have anything to give Rachel. What happened? Eliphaz, the son of Esav, ran after Yaakov to kill him and caught up with him. But since Eliphaz grew up in the embrace of Yitzchak, his grandfather, he was influenced and he couldn't kill Yaakov. So he asked Yaakov, what can I do about my father's command? I still have to keep it of aim. I still have to listen to the command of my father who commanded me to kill you. What am I going to do about that? Yaakov said to him, take everything that I own. Why? Because a poor person is considered like a dead person. And now since I don't have anything, it's like I'm dead. It's like you killed me. So Rav Chaim Shmuel Lovich says, let's take a look at this inner conflict that Eliphaz was having. On one side, he couldn't kill. It's a commandment not to kill. He was the grandson of Yitzchak. How can I possibly kill Yaakov? On the other side, I have to do the mitzvah, kivit avim. So Rav Chaim Shmuel Lovich says, this is pure krumkite. It's crooked. How can he possibly think that it's a mitzvah to kill Yaakov? He says, the light itself, the light of the mitzvah, the Dukiva Avaim, has become corrupted. If he just would have thought about it a little bit deeper, he would realize I shouldn't listen to my father at all. Why does he have a conflict? And he brings a verse from Oshia that says like this, The ways of Hashem are straight, the righteous traverse them, and the wicked stumble upon them. And Rashi explains there that the very same path that God makes to elevate the righteous, the wicked people fall in it to the point where the, he thought the mitzvah was to kill Yaakov. That's the mitzvah of honoring his father. And he brings the famous Gemara from Shabbos that says the Torah could be a samamavis. It could be a deadly poison. Why? The Gemara says, for those who study it diligently, it becomes a source of life. And for those who are lax or are lazy, it becomes a deadly poison. It's not harmless if you don't study properly. If you don't study properly, you're not going to come up with the proper conclusions. You're going to come up with the opposite conclusions. And not only that, you could actually create a monster. Who came from Eliphaz? We know that Amalek came from Eliphaz, the arch enemy of the Jewish people, Amalek. Why? Because good and bad together comes out worse than just bad. The good that Eliphaz had in him from Yitzchak went to the bad side and it came out worse. And that's how evil works. It draws from the good. And this is where you get the worst crookedness from. The worst lies are filled with truth. The word sheker, which is spelled shin kuf resh, is just a switch in the letter of the alphabet. It should be kuf shin resh. You switch it and you get sheker. It's a mixture of truth and lies. And that's where you get all these crazy ideas in the modern world, the liberal world. Mixing the good cause of civil rights, mixing it up with all kinds of nonsense. Or rights for people who are doing perversions. It's not clear thinking. 
So we ask the question, don't we have an idea that a little bit of light should dissipate a lot of darkness? The answer is that the darkness in a human being is not just the lack of light. It's actually an entity. It's a powerful force in its own right. Brings a Pasuk in Yishiyah that says, Yotzer Or, over Echoshek, the one who forms light and creates darkness. The Ramban explained that the darkness of Egypt and Mitzrayim pushed away all the light. The darkness. Darkness is a creation. It's not just the lack of light. And every human being has this darkness inside of himself to the point where he can deny the truth. If this darkness takes over, he'll wind up denying the truth. Ah, the truth is light. But darkness is also a counterforce. He brings the story in Malachim of Yeravam, who was offering sacrifices to idols. And the Navi came and paralyzed his arm. At that point, Yeravam had no choice but to ask the Navi to heal his arm. But what language did he use? He said, pray to your God. He clearly saw that the Navi had the power, which means the power of his God, had the power to heal his arm or to take his arm away. And still he's saying, pray to your God, as if he's not my God. How can a person, when he sees a proof right in front of his nose, still deny God? The answer is this force of darkness in the person. And we know the idol of Micha, the Jews brought it with them across the parting of the Red Sea. The greatest miracle in the history of the world is occurring. The Dead Sea is being split. And someone's bringing an idol with them through the Dead Sea. To steer a contradiction. The Mechilta says that even when the man fell, when the man fell from heaven, the food, the heavenly food, they brought some of that food to the idol. What's all these contradictions? How could people be so mixed up? The answer is the darkness inside of a person. If it's not consciously overcome and overpowered, it will feed off the light and keep going. If a person doesn't get rid of this darkness inside of himself, he will continue to be influenced, influenced by both sides at the same time and have paradoxical behavior, even creating a new dimension of Amalek, the arch enemy of Israel, mixture of light and darkness mixed together. The Germans, with their perfection and their logic and their high society, killing off Jews. Now, Rav Dastor even takes it one step further. He brings the Perkiyawas and says like this, One whose wisdom is greater than his actions resembles a tree whose foliage is greater than its roots. A wind will come and uproot it and turn it on its face. And it brings the story of Rav Menachem Mendel. It says like this. It's unbelievable. The greater a person is in knowledge, the greater is the Sahara. Even if he increases his ethical knowledge and studies ways to avoid some particular desire, with at the same time not increasing his performance of the practical mitzvahs, it will be extremely harmful. What's the proof? We know there's a famous Gemara that says like this. Why was the Parsha of Sota put next to the Parsha of Nazir? Sota means, God forbid, a woman cheated on her husband. And she has to drink the mesota. She has to go to the base of Migdash. They schlep her around. They make her tired. They uncover her hair. And she has to drink the water with God's name inside of it. If she really cheated on her husband, she'll die. If not, she'll become pregnant with a boy from her husband. So his question is, why was the Parsha of Nazir juxtaposed right after this Parsha of Sota? Nazir means a person that makes a vow not to drink any wine and to be a holy person. So the Gemara explains why are these two put together. Because whoever sees the Sota in her disgrace should make a Nazarite vow to refrain from wine. So he makes an inference from this. He says like this. It's mashma. If a person didn't see a Sota in her disgrace, he didn't see what happened to that Sota, 
So he doesn't have to become a Nazir. Really, it should be the opposite. A person who saw what happened to this woman, this adulteress who cheated on her husband, how she was disgraced and her hair was uncovered. That's the person who shouldn't have to take the vow of a Nazir. A regular person should surely take the vow of a Nazir to stay away from women. So he says, no, you got to hear this. This is unbelievable. The more a person sees and understands the evils of a certain situation, the more he needs to be on guard against falling into the same sin. He has not yet performed the practical actions which prevent him from the knowledge from turning it on his face. The knowledge of a sota will turn the opposite against him. Torah and knowledge take up a different form in a person, good or bad, according to his character. This is unbelievable. In other words, the more you know about evil, the more chance you have to falling into it. The person who has more knowledge, and that's why Torah could be Samamavis. The Torah itself could be a drug of death, because the more a person learns and the more he understands the workings of his evil inclination, the more he understands about a sota, a woman who cheated on her husband, the bigger his chance of falling into something. So the question is now, what do we do? Here we are. The more we learn Torah, the worse our Yetzirahs are going to get. The more wisdom we have about the ways of the world, the more evil we're going to become. What are we supposed to do? So Rav Dessler explains the answer is actions. We have to act. We have to move. We have to do something physical. And that's exactly what it said in the Perkyavos. The one whose wisdom is greater than his actions. But the one whose actions are greater than his wisdom, he's going to be the one who succeeds. And when a person has a good inclination, a good idea, he should act on it immediately, right away. And we know that Rav Chaim Lezato and the Sefer Echinuch both say that if a person does outside actions, it's going to affect his heart. Just by going to the minion and going to learn and doing these things, doing the outside movements, is going to affect your heart. And he brings a riot from this week's Parsha. At the very beginning, it says like this, And Yaakov departed from Beersheba and went to Haran. He encountered the other place and spent the night there because the sun had set. Which place? The place is talking about where the base of Migdash was. He went back to the place. Because why? As soon as he got to Haran, he realized that his level started to drop. He was going to Chutzlars. He ran back to the base of Migdash. He acted right away. As soon as he realized he was falling, he went back to the base of Migdash. So one answer to solving this problem of this darkness that exists within us is to constantly act, to do mitzvahs, and make sure that our myceum, our actions, are even greater than our wisdom. Another point I want to bring out is the opening move of the Shulchan Ark. A person should get up like a lion, in order to serve God. So the Mogain David explains, what does it mean to get up like a lion? Why did Chazal tell us that we should get up like a lion? So the Mogain David explains that a lion, it's his teva, it's his nature. This strength is natural within him. And it's true by every Jew. We have the natural ability to overcome the Yitzhahara. It's not something outside of us. It's something in our genes. It's something that came from Yitzchak. Yitzchak represents Gevura. The Mogain David explains that even though the Yetzirah appears stronger than us, we should not be afraid of it. We can overcome it. It's a fact. God built into every Jew the ability to overcome the darkness within him. But he has to know that he has the power. The problem is we don't even know that we have the power, so we think we can't do it. But once you know you have the power, of course you can do it. We have that power. If we do good deeds, let's say we're learning and we're tired. Another three minutes, person doesn't want to go to the minion. Use your power. Awaken the power inside of yourself. 
Every Jew has it. The problem with Eliphaz and Yeravam and Micha, they didn't use that power. They didn't exercise their strength to overcome the Sahara. But the fact is, we can do it if we want to. So that's point number two. To know that you have the ability to overcome the Sahara. And point number three is what Revobi says. He says, as soon as Yaakov decided to leave Haran and go back to Harabayas, so Rashi explains that the earth contracted for him. God made a miracle for him because of his decision to go back. One who comes to purify himself is granted divine assistance. If a person has a strong desire to improve, he will be helped immediately. He says, by observing where a person stands spiritually at the end of his life, we can determine what his true desires were. If someone has the will to grow and accomplish, he will be helped to bring his desires to fruition. So that's the third point. Siat Dishmaya. Hashem's going to help you. So even it's true that we are this mixture of good and bad. And God forbid if we don't uproot the bad, it's going to come out even worse. Krumkite, it's going to come out crooked. The more we grow, the more crooked we'll become. We have to uproot it. But there are three pieces of advice. Number one, like Rev. Dessler says, is to do actions. Constantly do mitzvahs. Act. Move yourself. Number two, know like the Shulchan Aruch says. Yizgarbe Ka'are. Strengthen yourself like a lion. Know that you have that strength. Your teva, your nature, it's in your blood. person is strong. He can overcome if he wants to. And number three, like Rav Volpe says, you'll have siyat dishmaya. Hashem will help you. The one who wants to become pure will have help from heaven. Here is a powerful Magi Maduma brings a mashal like this. He says, he brings the verse, Yaakov awoke from his sleep and said, In truth, Hashem is in this place. And I didn't know. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of Elohim, the gate of heaven. We're talking about where Yaakov slept, which was the Harabais, the Temple Mount. So he has a question. He says, Listen, it sounds like he's saying the same thing twice. One, one the beginning he said, Hashem is in this place. And then he says, How awesome is this place? So what's the difference? So he brings the mushroom like this. One time, there was a villager who came to the capital city. And somebody's got to show him around. He wants to show him around the city. He says, this is the castle. Whose castle is that? That's the king's castle. So as they got closer, he started to see all the different parts of the castle. And he said, Who houses, whose houses are these? Oh, this is where the servants stay. This is where the doctor, the king's doctor stays over here. The senior advisors stay over here. The chef stays over here. Then he notices there's another big house, a big fancy house also. Whose house is that, he asked? Oh, that's the home of the king himself. That's the royal palace. So the man says, I don't get it. You told me this whole place was the king's castle. What's this, the king's palace? So he says, it's true. The castle belongs to the king. But other people have permission to be in the castle. You have the cook, the servants, the advisors. But this house is only for the king himself. Only if a person has special permission to come in there. Can he come in? And he has to be dressed properly. Suitable for a king. So that was the mashal. The name shows like this. Hashem's honor fills the whole world. But at the same time, God gave place for man to live in God's world. However, there is one special place, the base of Migdash, the Temple Mount, where the Shekhinah dwells. Not off limits. It says any stranger who draws there near there will die. 
the Kohen God will only go one time a year to that area. So that's what the verse meant. Hashem is in this place. That's talking about the whole world. And how awesome is this place? That's talking about the Temple Mount, where God's presence, He Himself, is there. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So Yaakov said to Laban, do not give me anything. And the Sforno says there, if God decides to grace me with wealth, this is not a result in any loss of your property. As the sages say, no person could take away from that which is destined to belong to his fellow. Rav David Cohen told this story about Rav Shach. One time he was still learning in Kolel, and he was offered a position to be a shave, and eventually he would become a Ram, a regular teacher. So I went to Rav Shach to ask him about the offer. He asked me, are you learning well? He asked me, are you learning well? Are you growing in Torah knowledge in your Kolel where you are now? He said, yeah. So he advised me, stay where you are. Why would you even consider leaving Kolel if you're learning well and you're growing? So he says to him, I have this special opportunity. This is a unique position. A chance like this probably won't come back again. He said, if someone is sitting learning well, he should not even think about anything else. And as far as your fabulous opportunity that you claim you'll never get back, the Gemara says, no person can take away the slightest bit from that which is destined to belong to his fellow. He said, though, if you deserve this position, eventually you'll get it. So he listened to the Rosh Hashiva. He went back to the Kolo. He learned for another four years. What happened? The Kolo ran out of money. It was closing. Just as it closed, Shiva came back to him and offered the position again. The same position that he turned down four years ago was offered to him again. You see here the awesome advice of the Chachamim. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Nachman Dynamite gives some advice for controlling anger. Tips for controlling anger. He says, first thing you got to do is get rid of all your trouble spots. What does he mean? He says, Friday is Religious Jews International Anger Day, Arab Shabbos. Why? Because of the pressure. He says, why should there be pressure Arab Shabbos? You can polish your shoes on Thursday. You can buy candles on Wednesday. You can iron your shirts on Thursday. With a bit of planning, you take away the pressure of Shabbos. If you know you're going to get angry because of the pressure, so take the pressure away. He says, Nisan is Religious Jews International Anger Month. Why? Because of the Pesach cleaning. He says, if you want to clean up all the dust, so do it start months before. If you want to just do what the Lacha says, so you don't have to start so much before it, but you're going to be uptight about how clean your house is. You have to start earlier. Same thing if you're traveling out of town, Arab Shabbos. Don't wait to the last minute and shovel the kids in the car. Of course, there's going to be anger problems. Also, going on vacation, don't wait for the last second to pack. Make a list. And you have to take all your children to every simple you go to just so they get photographed. If you know there's going to be problems, prevent it beforehand. That's tip number one. Get rid of the trouble spots. Tip number two, don't blame anybody else. He says, the more angrier we get, the more angry we become. And the more frequently we get angry, we're going to get angry even more. It rolls like a snowball. And this is why it says, when Yosef was born, Rachel was happy because now he says, Hashem has gathered up my shame. The Rashi says, until now, when a plate broke, everyone said I broke it. And now they'll be able to say my son broke it. So we ask the question, what, Rachel's going to lie? No, Rachel's not going to lie. She doesn't have to lie. But if her husband gets mad, she's gonna, he's going to first blame it on somebody else. And who's he going to blame it on? The kids. Because we have a tendency to be lazy and trying to figure out what happened. Instead, we just get angry. So don't blame it on anybody else. The anger's with us. Tip number three, self-control requires skill. This is the one I always say, which is you don't get angry at your boss. You don't get angry at your father. When you have to control yourself, you control yourself. You see, you can't control yourself. 
like I spoke about before. We have tremendous kokos inside of us, gavura, power. If we want to control ourselves and not be angry, we really have the capabilities. In the situations where we can't get angry, we don't. So don't come home and unload it on your wife and your kids. Tip number four, know that anger comes from gaiva, comes from pride. What do you mean? You feel you deserve everything. You deserve a clean house and a clean table and hot food. You deserve everything. And if you don't get what you deserve, so you get angry. That's just arrogance. Lower your expectations a little bit and you will get less angry. Tip number five, if I get angry, you're right. Make a deal with your wife that if you get angry, she doesn't have to listen to you. Or make a deal with your husband that if you get angry, he doesn't have to listen to you. Whoever gets angry is wrong. Anyway, it comes out like that, Lamaisa. You know, when there's a fight, whenever there's a fight, the person who's angry is always going to lose. So don't get angry because you're going to be wrong. Tip number six, learn books about anger. Learn Musser. When you read them slowly and seriously, you will soon start to feel repelled by anger. It's true, when you educate yourselves about something, you will start to see the disgrace in it and you won't want to become angry. Tip number seven, don't make too many resolutions. Don't make the resolution too big. In other words, don't say you're not going to get angry an entire Friday. Say I'm not going to get angry from candlelighting until Kiddush and then try to extend it to when the fish comes to the meal. But don't go further than that. Why? Because the kids at that point start jumping off the table and knocking over the glasses. Things start spilling. Of course, you're going to get angry. Try to take care of your anger problem with baby steps. And he brings the Evan Ezra who says, Return Yisrael to Hashem your God. Evan Ezra explains what does that mean? Little by little until eventually you come to Hashem. If you try to jump too far, you won't succeed. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends and please leave me some comments on the website. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 